Hello, everyone. It is after midnight here in London, but it's time for our calls to come flowing into the show because it's only four it's o'clock. It's four p.m. here. Yes, exactly. And this was the best solution we could have for the time zone situation. And this is Hotline League. I try to get a guest, but unsurprisingly, the folks in London were like, "Hey, I've got to work tomorrow, so maybe doing a show from twelve until two is not ideal." But somebody in the Twitch chat already says worst intro ever. You know what? We're just we're gonna send that person in a timeout because I'm. It's after midnight, people. Huh? What do you expect? Huh? All of our intros are terrible. What the hell? That one wasn't worse than normal. I didn't even interrupt you that much. Mark Zimmerman is here, my constant co-host. How's it going, Mark? It's going. Uh, watching MSI, sometimes waking up for it, sometimes not. Sometimes watching the VOD, sometimes not. Uh, sorry, Mad Lions slash G2 fans. I didn't watch that dumpster fire of a series. You think I'm fucking going to watch that Garbo? No way. No way, no how. Did not watch that one. Yeah, your your mic is not going weird again, but uh, I think it's... I don't know, maybe the just us London to LA or something like that. So sorry, folks, we've been having some audio issues, but I think it's just what happens. I'm in water. Guns. I don't know. Nice. Uh, I it was it was literally fine just a second ago, and then here we are. Um, whatever. It's I, you're understandable. I think uh, Twitch chat. Let us know if it gets so bad that you guys can't like it's an issue. But otherwise, we're just gonna we're just gonna continue on. Uh, we've just been having some Skype issues and some some distance issues. Either way. This episode is brought to you by OnePlus and also by Alienware. Thank you to OnePlus and Alienware. And uh, now we'll get into the show a little bit. So, okay, so you were last time you were on the show, or last time we did the show, you were in London. Now you've been back yep. in LA for like, what, a week? Yep. About, I, I got in Wednesday, so it's, it's a little under a week, I guess. But yeah, I'm back. I'm doing, I'm doing the damn thing. I'm watching movies again. Watch Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Watch Air this weekend. Both very, very good movies. Great. Well, I'm glad that you're on a good sleep schedule and everything's good now. Yep. Yep. You know me. Good sleep schedule for sure. Definitely not being a total degenerate. How's it Getting been? Getting up at 4 a.m. random days. Sometimes how's, not. How's it been doing the uh, watching the games on from the time zones there. Cause obviously it's hard for me to understand like what time is when, whenever things are happening. Uh, usually the games start at 5 AM and on the double best of five days, they start at 4 AM. So it's dog shit. Mm. Classic. I, I thought when you said like on a normal sleep schedule, I was like a good one. I, I have a worse sleep schedule than you do. I continue to argue that this whole, you know, Oh, you know, it's the fact that we don't do well at international events. That's the reason LCS is suffering is just bullshit because nobody can ever watch the international events. There's no North American audience for these things anyway, because they're starting at 4am. That's well, my take. Chicken or the egg, Travis, where are the NA viewers anyways? Yeah. All right. Can't watch at 4am. Can't watch at noon. When are they, when are they allowed to watch? Huh? So no, why do you guys have jobs and families and interests? Stop that. Exactly. So obviously there's a lot to talk about. We have all of the MSI games that have happened and the MSI games that are going to happen to talk about. Um, but I think yep. we're going to split time this episode between MSI and also all the uh, NACL news. Because guess what, guys? What NACL news? It would not be a 
international event without there being N.A. Doomerism happening on the sidelines. <laughs> it what? feels like every time that we have to talk about the international, N.A. is like, hold on, guys. I'm going to fuck some shit up. Yes. Yes. What What was happening during Worlds? I don't remember. It was like the like the, the rumor time oh, change the rumor was going time on. Change. Yes, the rumor time change was happening during Worlds. And then this. And I swear there was something happening last MSI, too. Um, last MSI, there was something, but I can't remember because it was just the ping thing, right? Yeah. That was the, that was the ping, ping one. Yeah. I think maybe last MSI, it was just that we were still in the dark days where people were like, LCS is just a bad product. Um, yeah, I, I can't like remember. The product and everything else is imploding around it. And that's actually one thing I've been thinking. Of. Well, okay, so one, let's add a little bit of context for those that have been under a rock. Uh, Riot has officially put out an, a really well-crafted article that very much did a good job of hiding the fact that they have allowed the team owners to drop the, or they've re- they've dropped the requirement for LCS teams to field NACL rosters. What is NACL roster, rosters, or what is NACL? It's Academy. They just renamed it this year, which has made the whole thing even more confusing because people keep calling it Academy and Challenger yeah. and NACL. Yeah, I mean, people call it Academy because teams still have Academy teams, but the NA Challenger League also does things not just with the Challenger teams because, like, Proving Grounds and stuff is, like, more incorporated this year. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah. Yes. The, the, uh, the NA teams, the LCS teams... Academy components are now gone or the requirement is gone. And some teams have already dropped their Academy teams. Some are probably in the process of doing so. We'll see how many end up sticking around now. That's no longer a requirement. Yeah. I had a source message me before the start of the show telling me that teams have until Wednesday to decide. So that's fun. Uh, hmm. if you are, I, I've been thinking I should probably, I, if I was in LA, I think I'd be doing a better job of trying to do coverage of this. I'm doing the best I can while in London, but I do think it would be good. Obviously I did that interview with tenacity around his decision to stop uh, competing and go into content creation. He left the door open to see maybe he'd come back or whatever, but, uh, I think I need, I should be doing some interviews with players or folks that are affected by this because I think. One thing that is getting lost in a lot of this is just sort of like the real stories of people who, like I, I heard that there's at least some players who like moved to LA, were told to sign leases for apartments, signed into that stuff, and now will potentially not have a job. So, uh, yeah, that's fun. Um, so we will see how things develop but i it feels really bad um and my my big the place that i have landed on this now is it is just so shitty that riot did it the way that they did where they did it with basically no moments notice like it was just suddenly it's out there i mean obviously we had some reports about it right but like they did not give anyone time to prepare for this. And so had they said, hey, everyone, if that if that post had read, hey, everyone, this is the last split where LCS teams will be required to field NACL rosters, I think, okay, now you're giving everybody enough time to get ready for this and players can apply for school if they're not going to do it and, like, Riot can come up with a plan for how to be, how to commit to supporting this stuff, even though that was the title there. Thing. It seems like they don't really have much of a plan right now. And 
all this stuff will be, you know, people can prepare. And instead, they're just like, fuck it. We're blowing it up now, baby. Uh, and I, I would encourage folks, it's an hour long, so maybe just watch the first 15 or 20 minutes if, if you're not as interested in the full explanation, but to go watch the first uh, 10, 15, 20 minutes of my interview oh, with Phil. Uh, I got to go get my food. I'll be right back yeah, you, while you model. I'll fill. I'll fill. Uh, speaking of Phil, uh, to go watch the first 10, 15, or 20 minutes of the interview that I did with Phil from the Players Association to where we talked about all this stuff. Uh, he does a pretty good job of explaining how he feels like the Players Association was directly lied to. That's the phrasing that he uses where they were told repeatedly that this wasn't going to be happening this year and then uh, they just ripped the bandaid off and they were unwilling to find any compromises. They were unwilling to consider any options that the Players Association put forward. There was no conversation. It was just like, boom. So uh, it is just really difficult because... My God, like you just keep trying to get excited for the LCS and to feel good about stuff. You know, I feel like the broadcast did a really good job. I know obviously people are frustrated about the Dash stuff, but overall I think the product's been improving. I think we have some really cool stories. Golden Guardians getting to MSI looking not like they were just they I don't feel like Golden Guardians got ran over once they got here. Um, which is a crazy story about a team that people did not expect to make it even to playoffs in LCS and uh, against the backdrop of all this stuff you just have more doom and gloom in the and the broad in the LCS uh, not the broadcast but the LCS generally so I think it's just it's it uh, somebody I won't say who recently described it to me as feeling like they're on the Titanic and uh and I would agree in some sense that it's you just constantly feel like there's more hitting every day so yeah it's it's yeah. rough. It also just feels like there's there's new problems, you know, like, all right, time slot, this thing, viewership concerns. You know, you like we're talking about all that stuff all spring. And then just out of nowhere, it's like Academy, boom, you know? Yeah. Feels. Feels like there's just always something. Yeah. The tick, the tick tock of the the drive by. So he says his mic is terrible. Uh, if it's getting worse, let me know, guys. But I. It was fine moments ago, and I don't know why we're having issues now. Um, I was I just running around? Fuck, I don't know. I have no idea. You're yeah, terrible. It's, it's not the mic; person. it is the 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 human being setup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, Mark is okay. My, I'll turn myself up. Um, feel free to keep giving us feedback in Twitch chat, folks. But when you tell me it's fine now, and then afterwards it gets weird, it's hard for me to to prepare for it. Sorry, go ahead, Mark. Uh, no, I, I didn't hear everything you said, but yeah, it's just, it just feels bad. And, uh, I, I agree with what you're saying too about like the, the human side of it is probably the, the worst thing because honestly, like if you step back and just look at Academy as a whole, there are like a lot of problems with it. There's a lot of things that need to get addressed anyways. And like the Academy system probably sounds like it wasn't long for this world anyways, in terms of like the timeline getting accelerated and like exactly what that means for NA are all questions that like would have came up sooner or later. Um, and if Academy does go away in six months, a bunch of people are still losing their, their jobs and like a bunch of money is probably leaving the second tier scene or like needs to get reinvested in different ways or like whatever the, the form it takes changes. So like in a lot of ways, it's a lot of things that we'd be talking about anyways, just earlier. And the, the real difference is the speed and immediacy with which just happened and the lack of planning 
available to the people that it's affecting, uh, which which is like the really shitty part. Because like saying that NA like the academy system needed to change because it was busted in a sense, like is a totally different conversation than like having empathy right now. You know? Yes. 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 I agree. Uh, is there besides, well, obviously we'll talk about the NACL stuff, but is there anything about the MSI stuff that we want to dive into? Um, well, I-, I mean, I have opinions on like how good the teams are and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, the West versus the East and the format and all that, you know, I, I want to, I want to open a discussion. Um, and I, I, I got flamed on Twitter for like half of this take. And so we'll see how it goes here, but I'm hoping that we can just have it as a conversation, not people be shitty to me. That's difficult for people. I know, but I think personally, that my takeaway from the the last two weeks is that these best of fives should probably be best of threes and that we should have something else, maybe best of ones or like a, a group stage or Swiss or something instead where, where you get to see more of these teams play against each other in the main stage because it's really weird to just go watch somebody watch one team get smashed in three games and that's the full thing. And then another three games and then another three games and another three games. And none of the results of any of these matches would be any different if they were best of three instead of best of five. If you played them all out, they would have the same results. And then everybody freaks out because they go, but what about T1 Gen G? And I'm not sure if that one match where, again, the results would have been the same is worth what has kind of been a really unexciting series of days otherwise. Uh, And by the way, I'm not saying we should never have any best of fives in this tournament. I think you save the best of fives for later on in the main stage. Um, Because I think... The other thing is that if you move to best of threes, you can fit two best of threes in a single day rather than having a single best of five every day other than this past weekend. And then that frees up more days for some other element of the tournament that can be maybe more exciting. Again, maybe some round robin stuff for seeding. I don't know. Um, I understand with eight teams it gets kind of complicated to do round robin, but... I just wanted to open the floor and hopefully I'm just not looking at Twitch chat because for some reason people get really fucking mad whenever you talk about stuff like this. Um, but I'm curious Formats, what you think, Mark. Uh, I mean, just as a sub commentary, the, the like vitriol with which people talk about formats is kind of hilarious where it's like, you fucking dipshit cow, clack cow fucker. Like how dare you? <laughs> Yes. Have to think that best of threes would be better than best of fives. Fives like your family should die, and you're like, what? I just, I don't know. Um, I think some people are talking about like the draw. I don't think your format should be like risk getting boomed by a draw. Like you should probably make a better format that like can't get inted like that. Um, because like people are talking about this one. There's another terrible draw that could have happened if all NA and all EU were like basically on one side, which uh couldn't quite happen i don't think because the one seats had to be separated by by like uh like the the chinese and korean teams were actually the pool one teams but like 
there's really weird formats that could happen. And like you could have seeded it better so that um, NA and EU played each other in the loser's bracket instead of this. Um, you know, or like NAEU played earlier or something. Like there's there's other ways where it doesn't feel quite so bad. But uh yeah, I mean there's definitely some truth to in terms of like a viewing experience for like people in in person watching just two teams play and like one team just dick the other one down is like not particularly <laughs> fun, I assume. Uh I mean you know, I also just don't like even think day. from a broadcast perspective it's particularly cool. Like you don't get a lot of you don't get great viewing hours on that. And people just kind of, I, I assume people at like going into game three, when two, the, a team has been smashed twice, they'd stop really feeling invested in the series. They probably keep it on just to see if anything weird happens. But like, I just don't like, I don't think that it's been particularly riveting. And I, I think so many people are so tired of the old format that they get, and I'm not saying we go back to the old format, but I just, like if you looked at a thing and you're just like, okay, cool for like 10 days straight, you're going to get mostly three game stomps. Uh, and that's what? once a day you get a three game stomp. Like it, that doesn't feel like an exciting tournament to me. No, I mean, I think like the, the good matches will like keep coming, which is nice as the, the shitter teams get knocked out, which is unfortunately the, the, the West. <laughs> um, I think this format would feel a lot better if we got NA versus EU. And like, I was personally someone who's excited for this new format because I thought one of the reasons we were doing it was to get more international best of fives, but then they didn't protect the format to make sure that happened, which is an oversight in my opinion and not necessarily the same problem. Cause I think I would have watched Saturday. Like I skipped a ton of Saturday, Sunday because I fucking knew that JDG was going to beat BLG. I didn't need to fucking watch that. And I knew, see, I watched actually C9GG a little bit because it was like not the worst time zone because it was the second one that went on. And like, I was just curious. But like, again, it wasn't particularly compelling. Uh, G2 beating Mad, I guess, was like a surprise in air quotes because it's not what happened during the regular season. Or um, excuse me, uh, spring split happened in winter split. But in spring, like, okay. But also Mad Lions is terrible at international, I guess. Like, it was kind of more comedic or tragic, depending on your your frame of mind, than like an entertaining series. To your point, um, so yeah, I uh, I think I it's setting viewership records. People keep like being like, "This is the third most watched match, and it's happening in quarters." Wow, I wonder how much of that is just like new format hype. And if you did this again next year, and you also had a bad draw like this, if it would happen again, or like if the West just continued to win or lose every match to the East or something like would, would this format lose some of the power that it has right now, just because of novelty, like how much is good format versus how much is just, it's different than last year's endless best of ones. Like there's, there's gotta be a middle ground to your point. I mean, and this I'm not sure this is the best MSI in forever that hasn't been either canceled or in a really weird environment. Yeah. That's true too. So it'll be more fun to watch. It's also the first double elimination ever. So I think people are just excited for that, excited for best of fives, you know? Um, and I think there's, I wouldn't throw this whole format out, but I would refine it. Um, that's what I mean. And and that's what I like. I, the reason why I think it's, it's okay to do these best of threes early on is because you do have the double limb. And so, you know, even from a competitive perspective, it's like, okay, if you really think that like they needed that ability to get a reverse sweep or something like they've got a double elimination bracket for a reason. And I, I just think you can do, you could do some sort of, I, 
Mark, you do the math, or you're the format guy. How terrible would it be to have to do a single round robin with eight teams? Uh, you play like 56 games. Okay, that's a lot. Um, if you're doing single round robin best of ones, uh, each team plays seven times, and there's eight teams. So yeah, it's like something like that. I think I did that math right. All right. Well, we can't do that. Um, well, I mean, in, th- in theory, depending on what you're doing with it, you can if you're going to knock out half the teams and only four advance because it's no, a, I don't, a single I don't week, think you, you want to eliminate based off of best of ones, but I just like it no, would be two streams is dog shit. Don't do two streams. Whoever said that in chat, it's it's terrible for viewership. Yeah. And for a fan experience, like you get to pick the game you want to watch. It's like, okay, you also just like sometimes miss games that you want to watch. You have to watch them on VOD and like people are tweeting about it and stuff. It's like, no, thank you. All right, whatever. So we can we can continue on. Um, uh, the one thing I will say though is just like some of the stuff you're saying about broadcast stuff is why I've always been a bit of a best of one apologist um, because you get to show off every single team every single day if depending on the size or like roughly most of the teams. So in person, it's really nice. Like when I was watching Worlds in person last year, and like OC9's up now, and someone else will play then, and it's like it's fun. Um, and you also get to maintain better viewership across the day because it doesn't go up or down if it's not like I, I imagine the, the East just did not watch the series with the Western teams playing each other. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting I, I to be see wrong, what viewership but... looked like for those too, because like everybody's like, oh, these are the highest rated. Okay. Well, are the lowest rated of all time going to be, you know, C9 Golden Guardians? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I can't imagine like a Chinese fan being like, fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, so I that's a question um and then also just in terms of like um I I think there's just like it doesn't do so, like people act like best of ones or this like super troll format because like anyone can win any best of one and then you don't know which of those two teams is better but like the point of a best of one is not to see which of those two teams is like for sure the better team but to play enough of them that you get enough of a sample to rank the teams mostly accurately and then move on to another portion of the tournament um which is why I'm a best of one apologist. It's like, yeah, I don't like C9 might beat BLG randomly in a best of one. And like, woohoo, it doesn't mean that they're the better team now. But like, if you play seven best of ones, your, your point about like a single round Robin thing, you know, like after seven games, they'll probably be ranked mostly correctly. And like anything else is also what happens in sports where like technically anyone can win on any given day. Like on the right day of the week, Mad Lions is better than G2. Some fucking, some fucking way. I don't know. But they won a best of five against them because people didn't ban Gragas or something. You know, like any, anything can happen. I don't know. Yeah, best of ones aren't great, but neither are best of fives. Troll shit happens in best of fives all the time. T1 lost to Gen G in a best of five because they choked on the final stage. Guess what? They're not a better team. I didn't think Gen G was going to win that series against T1. The only like T1 was better all year long. They just lost the finals. You know, any, any given Sunday is true for every, no matter what format you do. Best of five, bracket resets, best of three, best of one. On any given day, anything else can happen. So like. Best of one is is more volatile, but like if you play enough best of ones, the volatility washes out the same as it would with a best of five or anything else. Yeah, people get very it's like a religious fervor about formats. It's just very, very strange. All right. Uh let's get into the show. I'm trying I'm wondering if there's anything else uh anything else that we are missing that happened this past week. I've been heads down on MSI and also the NACL stuff. So I'm curious if we're missing anything else. I just got back from the Convergence event. That was pretty cool. Um, Oh, I see a Reddit thread that says, TSM drops NACL team confirmed by the LCS Players Association. That was from an hour ago. 
Uh, on Friday, yeah, TSM uh, dropped their uh, NACL LAC... team immediately after Riot's decision. They didn't so much as bother no. to face the community and announce the end of the NACL program publicly. Riot is bending over backwards to the wrong people. Players and fans deserve better than this. Ooh, boy. Ooh, boy. Ooh, boy. But again, if you go to the TSM subreddit, I'm enemy number one because they think that I have suggested unfairly that TSM is not committed Did, to the LCS. Have you talked about the other thing that, that you're public enemy number one in apparently from this morning? I didn't see you tweet about it. Are you not no, talking about that? No, I don't want to. I don't want to. I'll just, I'll mention it here because technically it is my fuck up, but I am currently okay. banned from the League of Legends subreddit because I, I posted too many threads without spamming comments enough. So you will not be able to see me contribute there for about a week. Uh, that I will, I will be released from from uh, Reddit prison and allowed to to comment again. But they, that's why they removed the Enero thread was because I you have to you have to have four you have to have uh twenty one it- comments to the four Reddit threads that you post, and I had broken that rule. I thought I hadn't, but I guess I had not spammed enough comments to keep up the threads so the inero uh thread which which was like near the top of the subreddit if not the top got deleted um which is too bad because he it was a really good interview and he made some good no 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 one wanted that all right reddit protected its community from the notorious grievance travis gafford who is constantly holding down the community discussion for what they really want to talk about by spamming threads with information that no one fucking wants okay yeah well i we have I, been protected I, by the scourge that is travis gafford interviews it's just funny because the whole thing is like they want people to participate and i think i'm i'm like up there with Corey lulu is like one of the highest karma comp like people from on Re- on the league of legends subreddit um, I have 654,000 Reddit karma, and I would bet 99% of that is from the League of Legends subreddit. So it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, the rule is, uh, is not, it's not the spirit, you know, of the, of the rule. No, that I do not, I follow the letter of the law. Fuck the spirit. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, did, did I ever tell you about my my dream job if i became a billionaire what i would do what i would buy really <laughs> this is a joke okay before i'm gonna take this seriously but like i would i would buy like a ton of just really shitty cars and i would just like drive around la all day looking for people like breaking traffic laws and just crash into them and make it their fault as they like don't uh, signal correctly get, get or like don't park them. correctly like if they're tailgating you you let them rear into yeah. you for yeah. Oh, uh, it drives me drivers. I drive. I just have road rage a little bit, and so yeah. like it's my fantasy as I'm like road raging out about people like just merging poorly or parking incorrectly, just like hitting them and being like, "Whoa, it was in the red." <laughs> well, you. I mean, and you just, heard about my altercation with the venue security guard, um, and that that guy. Yeah, had I did. Major Reddit mod energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I want to be the Reddit mods of driving yeah. and just like street vigilante justice for people fucking causing gridlock and just fucking hitting them. <laughs> oh. I saw the green and I just went. I don't I don't know. And then even if the cases I lose, I'm a billionaire. So I'll just I'll eat those ones. But yeah. Um. All right. Anyway, let's 
get into some calls. Uh, I don't think I don't think we've missed anything, but if tw if we did Twitch chat, let us know. But I think it's basically all MS MSI and NACL stuff, right? So, um, yeah. all right, I gotta pull callers. I was distracted. Talking. You're good. You're good. I will fill some time uh, by mentioning, and I'll talk about this during the uh, the OnePlus ad as well. But right now we're doing a giveaway for a OnePlus 11 phone. There's a link in the chat that you can do if you do exclamation mark OnePlus. You can. Uh, enter our giveaway for a OnePlus 11 phone, and I would love it if you would do that. It's actually this phone right here. Well, not this specific phone. I have another one that's in a box, but it's this is a OnePlus 11, and we're giving away OnePlus 11. And uh, if you do that, it's actually very, very helpful because uh, then they see that the worst thing ever is if we do a giveaway and no one enters, and then the, the sponsors are like, wow, look at this loser, and they make fun of me, and they point at me, and it makes me sad. Also, uh, the we're we're giving away tickets to the last two days of uh, MSI. We have ten tickets for Saturday and ten tickets for Sunday. And if you want to enter that, go check out my Twitter. It's just a retweet, a follow and retweet enter thing. So it's really easy to do. Um, and so if you if you have the ability, we're not flying you here, but if you have the ability to go and you don't have tickets, it's a, a decent chance because we're giving away a lot of tickets. So, uh, Numi's putting it in the chat. Thank you, Numi. Uh, Samelka, uh, I have some callers. Do you want me? To, you want me to get one and then we can? I'll keep pulling more. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Go for it. Off mark goes to Reb, a caller. Uh, da, da, da. oh wow, he slammed some callers. We're ready. Thank you, Real Foxy One, for sixty-six months. Tom Shu for 54, Tom Under Pressure for 37, my PS who I met at uh, his employment place in the last month, 58 months, Uwu Rusty Nerd, one year, Pat the Gray, 16, Mr. Dr. Enchilada, 22, and MK Punk. Okay, looks Hello. like we got tom Tomato here. Tomato, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Dublin, Ireland. Dublin, Ireland. I am much closer to Dublin, Ireland right now than I normally am. What do you want to talk about on the show? Yes. Yeah, so what I want to talk about is that the fact that so a lot of teams are likely to not uh, win an NACL team, obviously, uh, but teams that are choosing to not win uh, an NAL team should lose an import slot in order to force more spots to be available for NA players. And teams that do win an NACL team should be able to have two imports. <laughs> This is the first time I have heard this idea, but I think it's fucking I was amazing. Going to post, I was going to post it on, on Reddit the other day, but it came to me. I wanted to save it for Hotline League. So I love this take also just because like we could just like bitch and moan about all the problems right now. But look at this proactive call. This this guy going out here fixing problems, not not dwelling in the past. Just like, what can I do? Boom. You don't want a team? You lose an import slot. Um, uh, yeah, but can you just explain a little bit more yes, go for uh, it. about it? Yeah, no. So I think, like, obviously, it gives the teams an incentive to invest in NA growth and punishes teams that don't. Uh, but like, we do know that some teams are struggling financially and have maybe implemented like kind of failing business plans uh, where they can't afford an NACL team. But then they, they shouldn't be uh, able to then not afford an NACL team, but then spend that money on another import. I think I don't think that kind of makes sense. Uh, I think potentially losing two imports would be too much. And I don't know uh, how the laws work uh, in America around 
uh, limiting the work, uh, limiting working opportunities to green card holders. So, uh, but uh, players who have gone over, I don't know how that would go. Uh, so, I think a good middle ground is to have only one import slot available. Yeah, so I don't think you and, can change yeah. you like green. The reason why teams started getting everybody green card stuff is because I'm pretty sure you can't prevent a green card holder from working. Again, I'm not a lawyer, but I, I think that's the case. Yeah, yes. I mean, it makes somewhat sense, right? Like they are legally allowed to work in the U.S. It's somewhat of a discrimination to say that because they're a mm-hmm. foreigner, they can't work. Um. So, uh. Yeah, I continue to like this idea i don't think riot would ever do it because it's too based but i uh i I think league journalism in 2023 what is this huh i mean am i wrong like travis gafford commented on suggested plan from uh, a caller it's too based for Riot. Because, well, because if you think about it, I'm, I, I know it's scoofy to say, but I kind of stand by it. Like, it's too... It's it's a little edgy, right? Like It's, just, it's, it's like too confrontational. Yeah. Like, I don't think Riot and the teams want to have a relationship that feels tit for tat. Like... I think their perspective is like, we're all harmonious and we're working together. And I don't think Riot wants to be like, yeah, you're not going to fucking sack up for an academy team. Give me your import slot. I mean, that. but the funny thing is that's how I feel like this stuff should go. It should be a negotiation. It's like, okay, guys, like we think that you participating in the NACL is we, the reason we did this was because we wanted to ensure development of talent and that good North American players would make it into the league. And by removing NACL from the requirements, we are adversely affecting that goal. And so how can we balance that out? Well, this is how we can balance it out. I actually think that, like, is you know, obviously, you know, saying it's edgy or based or whatever, like, it is kind of a, it, it is a little confrontational at face. But I actually think, like, if you are saying, all right, we are undermining a goal we still believe in here, how can we work to ensure that it's still a thing going forward i think that's a really thoughtful way of approaching it um because you want to ensure that north american talent still has an opportunity to make it into the league and i think you know as so many people have said like cutting all this is not great yeah i i didn't mean that i didn't like it i just mean riot's perspective on i think yeah it's not the way that they have behaved in the past and so you they don't from what it seems like they often tend to cede ground without looking for areas to gain some ground, right? Um and I think that that's what we're seeing here. Um but I think I think it's really good. Um yeah, I think at the end of the day, like one of the problems I have with like the current academy system was like a lot of talent just got contract jailed, it felt like. And it also felt like teams were, I'll just be honest, like then the term nepotism gets overused, but there were like a lot of players from other regions who like didn't stand out there and just got shots over NA talent for no reason. Um, and now they're gone, all of them that I'm thinking of, <laughs> basically. And uh, I don't think any of them had a good case for why they should have gotten a spot over someone like Copy. And I would guess that part of it was again, nepotism, but I, I think part of it was probably also that copy probably had a pilot on his head and they said, fuck that shit. Um, and 
you know, that sucks. I, I don't know, but it's something where I don't, if, if this new system is like more free, whatever it is, is probably going to be a good thing for some players. I mean, obviously having a guaranteed salary, that's 60 K ish is a good thing based off California labor laws is that's a pretty good thing too. But um, in terms of making it in the LCS, I don't think the Academy system actually helped too much in, um, get team players on the teams. And so like something like this, that the caller's suggesting forces more NA players to make it in or like, you know, native, uh, not even NA, but just like green carded players. Anyone who's going to be a part of the ecosystem long-term will get more shots, which I mean, is, I think, the goal, not necessarily just North American players. Yeah, I... It's so, boomerang. You don't want to get boomeranged. The classic boomerang. Tenacity boomerang. I think that... fucking that... <laughs> fake NA player tenacity boomeranged his ass out of the LCS. I think that uh, somebody did a pretty good job of, of pointing out to me that... North American teams were never really interested in developing or using North American talent in most cases. And so having them invested in the NACL long-term is kind of pointless if they're not ever going to use the talent. If they are going to bring in players from other regions because they refuse to. And so if you want I mean, one of the reasons I like this take is because you have to get them to start wanting to use North American talent. Like, they, these guys will go through anything they can. I mean, they, they tried to lift the import rule entirely not too long ago. They will immediately start working on green cards for players the moment that they get here because that means that the moment that they can get this player green card, then they can either get trade them for more or get another import player in. Like, keeping the them invested in the NACL is not worth it if they're not bought in on the idea of using any of these players. That being said, and and I think that is why I have honed in on the idea that like the biggest issue with this decision was the decision to do it immediately with no notice, just brutally um, into and and damaging like what is I think already a fairly weak ecosystem. And again, continuing to do damage to the brand of the LCS, right? Like, it is very difficult because I'll do these interviews with Riot and they will say, no, 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 no. We, we, we promise we care about the LCS. We promise we're not trying to, to kill it. And then, like, this news comes out, you know, what, four, five months after, you know, it's every time you start to gain a little bit of momentum with the LCS and good vibes start flowing something like this happens. And so am I offended at the idea that it did not make sense to have these LCS teams running NACL? No, I, I'm not offended about that. I think I am offended with the way they approached it, and I am offended with the broader problem, which is the LCS teams are unwilling to accept that NA talent are are worth investing into. Um and I don't know how many, if we have another call on this, Mark, so feel free to tell me to postpone it. But We have one about teams, which maybe I'll pull right after this one because, like, uh, well, I, I won't go give the takeaway, but there is another conversation around this topic, so we can maybe just finish it with tomato-specific point, and then we, yeah. we'll bridge well, it. Well, tell, tell me, tell me uh, I just want to mention it. Isn't it funny how we're just going to switch using the North American Academy system and just start using other 
academy systems that other regions are investing into? <laughs> like, that's essentially what's going to happen, mean, right? Because the teams are no longer want br- going to bring over expensive players like perks and stuff. And so instead, what they're going to go do is pillage ERL and the LCK Academy and all that stuff. And so all these other regions that are investing in, that's just where North America will scout their talent now. Yeah. Uh, and to be clear, I was arguing for this three years ago. And yeah. like, I was right, by the way, like Berserker, Quid, Chasey, like all the, all the people are doing this now about just like, you offer more money than like the Korean development system gives and you can get players over here and they're like their best prospects. And like I was always saying, you should have found Chovy before Chovy was Chovy. But you, you were know, arguing like, this instead of getting sword art, right? You were not saying. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I'm saying is like, there's a world where like bringing in young, hungry players is a legitimately good idea. The problem is now you don't have any Academy teams to do it or p- the people who are still in the Academy. Like, you know what I mean? Like the system kind of blew up. So I don't know how you do it now in the future. Um, Unless, I would like, just be pissed Korean if I was one of these other regions. I mean, I guess if you're well, yeah, an URL operator, you're like, okay, well, maybe I can subsidize my costs a little bit by, by selling contracts over to um, player contracts over to, to North American teams. But like, it's just so goofy. It's just so fucking goofy because now the premise is now it's. I mean, it's that tenacity line about like, oh yeah, just go to URL. Because that's now the You're ready to learn system. European, buddy. Fuck, I love that meme. Just getting thrown yeah, yeah. around. It's gonna wear itself out like cooking. But right now, I am all about the get ready to learn, buddy meme. Yeah, yeah. Get ready to learn American. Get ready to learn Chinese. Get ready to learn European. Anything. Yeah. Just a quick hypothetical situation. Uh, won't be long, but and this is completely unre- unrealistic. But do you think if say teams uh, could feel an NACL team? And they were allowed three imports. Then, do you think they would do that? Um, just they, they, team just to get another import. They they have changed the import rules for academy a couple times. Travis, correct me if I'm wrong, but like they they've done things like okay, obviously Oceania comes in, but then didn't they do something where like you know minor region players don't count as imports, and then they did something where you can have more imports or something and i think they already did something like that you can well cubby's saying yeah you can start you can run three you can have three signed to your team but you can only start two okay so, do you just get cubby on for this, these topics by the way i mean he's if, bumming around anyways yeah if, if cubby wants to to join for any of this i think it's fine um but i yeah so i don't think tomato that's too far off but i yeah i don't i mean the funny thing is the what the teams should say is no the reason we're dropping nacl is because we can't afford to have nacl so it doesn't matter if you give us three import slots we won't pay this additional tax for it and and again the the issue is if they're just doing it to get a third import slot then you're defeating you're undermining the purpose like the purpose of nacl is to develop talent that the teams will run this goes back to again what i was saying before which is like there's almost no point in having nacl if the teams refuse to use these players um, yeah. So it doesn't, you know, if if you're doing it, it's just a luxury tax at that point in time on a third import slot. So, and, and to be clear, like the people who cared about Academy, it was pretty fucking obvious. It was like Team Liquid, C9, Hundred Thieves. They like the, it was always those three who won fucking everything. Like EG randomly had like a good team or two every now and then, but not really. You know, like 
I could be wrong, but that's how it always felt. And then like, I never hear about like any, any of their teams, like other, other people would randomly have a good split. Like Dick had a good split this, this year. I think, um, I think CLG might've had a good split once. Uh, I, I think other people have, have good splits, but like year over year, there were only like three or four teams who consistently put together good Academy rosters. And like, they were clearly teams that were trying, whereas the rest felt like they just kind of slammed some names down and were like, fuck it, YOLO, we yeah. ball. And, yeah. and then like they would blow it up at the end of the year with no, no thought again. Uh, all right. Thank you, Tomato, for the call. Uh, I just want to say that no after problem. hanging out with Dagda a bunch recently, it's very hard to hear your voice and not feel like Hey, he doesn't sound he, like Dagda. I remember going to events that Dagda used to cast in the Irish scene. So it's, it is awesome to see him like and Oshin as well, both of them uh, on the MSI or just even the LT, or LEC. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. Anything you want to shout out? Uh, yeah, just a quick shout out to all the C9 fans in the Copper Box last Thursday. I was uh, traveled over to watch the match. I'm a diehard C9 fan. Pretty depressing, but it was still a fun day. Uh, and shout out to you two. Like, I've been listening to Hotline League near the beginning. This is my first time calling. Like, I've been listening to Mark since post league time. So, like, <laughs> hey, yo. Uh, yeah, no, big fan of used to, you know, always listen to it. So, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for thank you for joining. It's uh, it's cool to have you on. I'm glad we. Ever, the cool thing about international events is, even though viewership on these hotline leagues is always a little lower, it does allow us to get callers that normally can't can't call in. So I'm glad we're able to do it. So thanks again for the call. And we'll Twitch catch chat next wants time. you before you go. Twitch chat wants you to say RNG for us. And what else? If I do have a lisp in general, so it doesn't help. But oh RNG. no, I think I, it's because the the dag just says yeah, RNG. Yeah, oh okay, yeah, RNG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There it is. Thanks so much. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we have time. How how long are we into the show? I think we have. We're time. about an hour in. Okay, then I'll I'll do a quick Alienware ad. Thank you so much to Alienware for sponsoring the show. Look at this beautiful Alienware notebook that's in front of me. Uh, really fantastic partner. Uh, you can check out their link Alienware.com/travis. I had somebody tweet today, uh, who said, "Let's see, where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Where are we?" Um, looking for their tweet right now, but somebody tweeted today at Alienware and at me, um, and said like, "Hey, oh here we go, yeah, it's Panda. It's Panda says just order an R13 gaming desktop by Alienware. Can't wait to get it. Thank you for supporting Travis Gafford Alienware. That stuff is so helpful, and I just want to thank It's Panda for doing that because whenever I can go to uh, Alienware, it, either if you're ordering through the link that is in the, the description, if you ever order from Alienware, please, 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 if you're in the U.S., Alienware.com says Travis. Um, but if you're outside of the U.S. or even if you are tweeting or sending these types of pictures, that type of stuff, it's actually really helpful for us because we can go to them and say, like, no, look, here's actual evidence that people are support because of your support of my content people are going out and, and purchasing this stuff. Um, and that is, is always very, very helpful in making the case for them to sponsor the content. So thank you so much for doing that. It's Panda. And also uh, thank you to anybody who goes and checks out Alienware.com. They've got great products over there. I know a bunch of you guys have, have purchased Alienware products over the years, and I really do appreciate you doing that. So uh, thank you to Alienware for sponsoring the show. I uh, really love having them as a partner and yeah, looking forward to doing more stuff with them in the future. All right. Uh, yeah, it's alienware.com slash Travis Victor. I'm sure we'll get somebody to link it in the chat here in a second. I think we're ready for so, our next caller. Are we bring oh Cubby's here? Hello, Cubby. Welcome to the yeah, show. Yeah, so I 
I think what I'm going to pitch is that we use Cubby. He can give his two cents, and then we have another caller kind of about this stuff, and we'll just ride Cubby until he uh, needs to go to Caster's Couch. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I mean, do you so just, like, chip in now? Yeah, yeah. yeah I like mean, what, so, what, Cubby, what, what has like been... like for you seeing the news? What like, is the, so. Yeah, what has been your last, I don't know, four or five days? Yeah, so I, I did one stream on this where I actually went over, like, the PA interview that you did as well, Travis, um, which was pretty good. Uh, I, I think that the, like, Phil actually was, like, talked pretty well about this. Um, I, like, I knew this was coming. I'm just really surprised that, again, I think that what keeps on getting repeated and what you guys repeated, like, why does this have to happen now? Um, like, having an extra three months to figure everything out from summer to spring would make a huge difference for these teams and players because... Like, if these players, like, if a team decides to pull out right now, like, it's too late in the offseason for these players to literally figure out what to do next, which puts them in just, like, the most terrible position, like, as as people. And that, that to me, is, like, the biggest disappointment is just, like, what happened. Uh, there's still a lot of interesting questions. Like, you guys were talking about import slots. Technically, what the last caller had, like, it kind of works that way because you get three at the moment. Uh, and you can only start two at once. So I guess if you do drop an NACL team, like technically you might drop an import slot, but that's yeah. But not from out. a practical perspective. Nobody's like yeah. rotating out. They're rotating yeah. out like a third. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean that's true, but also like we did see players like MNS and Balulu be able to step in because of like they were on the challengers rosters this past split. So like that sure. was still enabled by the fact that they were rostered. Um. So I. I mean, I, the timing of this sucks. Um, there's still going to be a league and a broadcast. I'm really curious. Like, the biggest question that I have is, like, what happens to these spots themselves? Because technically, this was a part of franchising. And if Riot were to say, like, even if it was just, like, you can sell your slot for $500,000. Like, like, I don't know if that would, like, ever happen. But that would be a big motivation for teams to then get out. Because then it goes from being an investment. to so, like, they actually get return on investment from, like, a part of franchising. That could be really dangerous if that's the case. But also... This was a part of franchising. So, like, the fact that that's not answered, like, after this decision, I think that's where, like, a lot of the PA's frustration is. Is just, you're like... You're asking... You're suggesting next. that... That... L you're you're wondering if LCS teams are able to sell the NACL yes. slot. I mean, they just technically, spent a shit ton of time talking about how the NACL slots are worthless and are a drain on their budgets. So, yeah. I think they'd be hard-pressed to get any revenue for those slots uh, or <laughs> any value I, out of them. I agree. I agree, but also this was technically a part of franchising. So, like, that is, like, an unanswered question, like, we still have right now. Um, also, it was pretty funny in the PA. We caught a stray that there was no viewership and no following of Challengers League. But I will say that thanks to weekends and thanks to LEC raids, our regular season viewership actually doubled the split. Yeah, but average. the PA uh, was referencing in comparison to things like yeah, ERLs, where they're getting 100,000 viewers and shit like that. Yep. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, obviously, we can't compete with that. I think native language and the commercialization of that is huge for them. Uh, but still, that is uh, at least a piece that like it was growing, uh, and so I I would push to not let the owners and you know, kind of like what happened, you know, gaslight fans and like there is zero support. Uh, it's obviously a lot less than what we see, but the reality is is like still owners look at this, they see uh, a five hundred to six hundred thousand dollar investment, and then they see players as Mark was highlighting get paid way less in leagues where you have higher quality talent globally, and they feel that they could cut this and be okay, uh, and that sucks because for a league that franchised to emulate traditional sports, cutting out a dev league is the exact opposite of emulating traditional sports, which was highlighted very well by the PA. So, I mean, uh, my frustration yeah. with this whole, like, like one thing I've heard reiterated is 
it doesn't make any financial success sense to run these things. It's just costing us money. And I'm like, isn't that how minor leagues work? Like I, I don't in traditional sports. I don't think that minor leagues are highly revenue generating things. You, you, the whole point is that you run them at a loss. Like I, yeah. again, maybe I'm wrong here, but like, that is my understanding I mean, of how this works. You run them at a loss, so then you can find gains elsewhere. So, like, for example, I was talking with, like, one of the teams. Uh, it was rumored, the, like, the past off, a couple off-seasons ago that Humanoid, like, could have been coming to NA, right? The number on Humanoid's contract coming to NA that I heard would have been bigger than what teams pay for for the entire NACL contract combined. Now, one of the teams that was considering Humanoid at this point was EG, right? Uh, they decided to start JoJo over Humanoid. Like, that was a decision that they made. Like, theoretically, on that rookie contract again, the savings that you would have had from signing JoJo versus Humanoid, a player that ended up being of a very similar caliber, given how good JoJo was last year, that saves you a lot of money. Like, that, that is an opportunity cost that then saves you a lot of money. And the fact that owners look at this as in a pure investment instead of like, wow, I can save myself a lot of money and have the same quality team or player, if not better, in this case, like, that is something where... Like that, they're like missing connecting the dots. It's almost like how Riot is missing connecting the dots and like uh, tying esports to skin sales. Like, like that's so, like always something that's just been missing, right? Like we're, you're sending us uh, on a tangent with that that last. Yeah, that, yeah. But, uh, I'm not so, going down that tangent. I'm, I'm yeah, going somewhere yeah. else. So the two things: one, a lot of minor leagues do have um, actually markets kind of for them. Like yeah. you'll often have the AAA team playing in a different region. They're not region, but like a, a smaller su city somewhere else nearby. It, they uh, sell so venues. Like we, it's profitable. Yeah. Like for yeah. The, the Red Sox, you have the Paw Sox and they're out in bumfuck. I forget where. Um, and like people who don't want to go into the city or pay more can go to like a cheaper version of a ball game for fun. Yeah. And it's like whatever. And um, I just don't know. You know if there's, there's, I, are those are actually revenue generating, you're saying, Mark? Because like I've gone to Mavericks games. I would say it's... Even even if it's not revenue, yeah, it's well, it's revenue generating. Is it profit generating? Probably not. But is it revenue generating? Yes, and it probably helps subsidize the cost of running these leagues. Um, I'm pretty sure the the NBA would does like something where they like the teams sell their like colors and marketing to like orgs that run it themselves. I, I could be wrong, but like um, about G League, right? my, my point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like. I'm not saying I know the minor league systems as a whole, but trying to paint them as a comparable to the academy system is farcical a little bit, to be honest. And I love the passion that Phil was speaking with, but like on purely a business level, what he was saying doesn't make sense. Um, because he's talking about like these rookie contracts and how much cheaper it is. And like, you know, oh, it only takes 16% to operate on a just a budget level in academy team. Um, and I'm not siding with the teams here, to be clear, but... If yeah. I was a business person and you told me I could save 16% and I can still sign rookie players. Like these are not, he, he was, he was totally painting a false dichotomy there. Like I, I played, I coached in 2014, 2015. There was no yeah. Academy team. Plenty of times we fucking punted someone mid split and just signed a player from the tier two ecosystem because we thought they would be an upgrade or like whatever we had problems we had to solve. Like it's yeah. not like this goes away just because you kill Academy. So like, I, I'm so pro like the players and in, in situations and like the, the tier two here, but like, I'm going to call a spade a spade when you're feeding me bullshit and like, no offense, but like that was a total bullshit argument where like, you're also just hand waving away like the, the feet, the cost of like living in LA and like 
staff and all these things because it ends well, up being so, so probably... they were i mean to to be clear though phil later on in that interview said that they had a plan to try to bring the cost down like to have the cost yeah and but i'm saying they were, the, they were the, open the, to the logical having... argument what the logical argument that like oh you need the academy system to then sign rookie players is a, a false logical leap i see what you're, you're making like you can, you can just do that without supporting an academy team you can you can literally kill an academy budget and still build a rookie team like those two things don't actually track. And again, I am not. For I think what the argument here. would be you don't get JoJo without the the without Academy. Yeah, no, that's like, not true. I mean, to, to, to be frank, again, like I'm not I'm not pro. Like I'm against what happened, but like yeah, yeah. there there were phenoms in the tier two systems before who people signed and they were great. You know, like it's happened before. You like. The problem is, is that players are losing faith in the North American ecosystem in retiring before they reach their, their potential. That's yeah. the problem. Not And like how you get them there is, is a conversation worth having. But like Academy was already a fucking failure. It, like everyone kind of agrees in the sense that like it was not getting players onto the LCS stage the way it should have been. And so like we all agree long term it needs to get torn down or like restructured in some way and like fixed and all these problems. So like for me, again, I'm just calling bs a little bit on that argument that like you need an academy team to be able to sign rookie talent um because I, that, that existed way before and will exist after let let Cody yeah. go so Sorry. i mean like i i don't think that like i mean you're not 100 wrong and i'm sitting here saying like my biggest gripe is like the manner in which it happened and when like again I, this was going to happen at the end of like the year now a couple things like go into that one by doing this they pretty much like nuke the entire economy for the league. Like one of the reasons that a player like Compu would retire is that if orgs pull out, if players go remote, you're now getting paid less. So then the opportunity cost of doing this instead of going to school becomes a, like a realistic thing for these guys. And it gives them more reason to leave early. Uh, so like we will lose better players from that just because the opportunity cost will be higher elsewhere. Um, also, this is partly a bubble that the orgs created. And part of the reason why it's happening now is because that bubble popped. Like buyouts used to be a couple years ago, for a player like Tenacity or Kenvi, those buyouts were probably north of like 500k if you wanted to get one of them on oh, the roster. For I sure, mean, and their salaries were like 300k as well, from yeah. what I understand. Like, yeah, and you know what the buyouts are now? Like zero, like for anyone. Yeah. So part of why it happened now is because this own bubble was created by the teams themselves, and now that it's popped, and now that teams cannot use it to profit for themselves, they don't want it anymore. So like, it, it's also like, eh, I don't, I can't sit here and advocate for like, hey, like. I, I can look at the global market and like what players get paid in dev leagues and be like, okay, like it's a lot more here. A lot of the reason is that it's because in California and LA, I can't sit here and advocate like let's cut everyone's salaries and make sure that like, you know, it's equal to the global market because it's going to be different. Right. And I think that a correction needed to happen. Uh, it, I'm not sitting here saying that it, it didn't, I'm not saying like, sitting here saying that it wouldn't. I just think that the manner in which this happened, all these players, if a team doesn't decide to run their roster, they will they will have no other opportunities besides to like to probably leave the game or just grind it out until next spring, until January. That's really, really tough. Yeah. And and that's where I think my biggest criticism of this comes from is that like, okay, teams didn't do a good job running their academy teams anyways. The academy system was a bit of a problem, you know, like it probably needed to change. But yeah. you just took the funding for a tier two league out of the ecosystem for six months until you figure out what you're going to do with it, which I think is, is the thing I'm most upset about because not only did it cost the people their immediate jobs, but they have no way of reclaiming that income uh, because it's just being held onto by teams now. Yeah. Uh, like 
I like, so for example, a team would get some X amount of money from Riot to operate in the ecosystem. And part of that agreement was an academy team. And therefore the money would get funneled into the players through this, this like pipeline of Riot to team to tier two. Yes. And now they just don't have to do it. And the teams just get to sit on that fucking stack of cash. And I think that's bullshit. Like that's, that's yes. to me where I think the fact that we, that there's no plan now to support tier two financially um, for like this money to, to flow down to them is, is problematic. Uh, and I, like, as I was just calling a spade a spade with like what the players association was saying, that to me is like, what the, what the, what? Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Uh, that's a big problem. Uh, and I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens here. As Travis shared, like teams have to one stand out of the side if they're going to run a team or not. I have a feeling that most teams will be remote. I think that what the PA said about only having three orgs, I, at the moment, I would guess six if I had to like give a hunch. You think six um, orgs will, will, will stay around? Cubby, Cubby's a positive person. I, Look at that. I, yeah. the same but, six. No, I actually I think do think... Majority will be remote, but yeah, I, I think six. I think some will... will. I think that the Players Association, with how much they blew this up, has probably secured... Has probably scared some teams away from dropping. Um, That is my guess. But I don't... I'd be surprised if there are six that keep Cubby. I'm going to say four. Okay. I, I mean, okay. you're more yeah, unplugged I, in than I am, but I I bet you four. I I think because of the changes now, I'm hearing that teams can go remote. Uh, I think that just the majority of teams will be remote and stay. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But we'll um, find out in the next few days. So, uh, one quick thing before we get into the next call, Mark, I, you said Academy was a failure, and everyone kind of agrees Academy was a failure. Um, am I mischaracterizing what you said? I think that's what you said. No, no. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm curious, do you think it's a failure because it didn't develop talent or do you think it's a failure because teams were unwilling to use the talent it developed? B. I don't think the Academy system, like people always say like franchising a failure because it didn't deliver on the NA talent thing. And like Academy is kind of like a subset of, of that kind of argument. Right. And, uh, they then say franchising was a mistake and like, I guess you can say it was because you trusted the teams to, to actually use it correctly. But like, you know, remember what we, we used to make fun of like the, we thought the CLG model died when they got ninth, 10th place by like running just a bunch of random veterans slammed together. Yeah. But like that was the way teams operated for, for years, even post franchising. Yep. Like it was just standard to see an eighth place team with a bunch of veterans. And I, I could just, as a sports person, never wrap my fucking head around that. Like that just like, no, like no one does that. Even, even traditional sports teams, which are dumb, will like cut costs and just sign a bunch of cheap players and eat their eighth place until they can rebuild properly. And like teams just wouldn't do that. They wouldn't utilize their young talent when they, they couldn't sign a competitive roster. They would still just sign like the most competitive, but still going to fail roster they could. And like, to yep. me, it just shows that like, whatever is going on in teams is just rotten. And like I, the system, I guess you can say is flawed because it allows rotten practices to happen. But I would also say that like the onus wasn't really on the system. It was on the teams. And so for me, that's why, you know, I call Academy a failure, but I don't know if it was a systemic failure in the sense that like it was a terrible system or like it just enabled too much dumb decision-making to happen. So, so I'll cap this tangent. I'm about to send us on cause I know we need to get into calls, but all right, here's my premise. The 
whole idea that there are North American players that are not good enough to compete is this like flawed one that has brought on been brought on by the fact that we just have orgs that are not good enough to do good things with talent. So here's my theory. Revenge would actually be a really good player if he was on Team Liquid. I think you can look at things like Spica is, is a great example of this. Spica was a player that everyone thought was this amazing jungler. And he won MVP and he did all this cool stuff. And then TSM decided to stop investing into their roster. And his last year, and especially last split on TSM, everyone said, Spica sucks. And he's so bad and blah, 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 blah. And then he gets into FlyQuest and suddenly he's put it in an environment to succeed. And once again, people think he's this amazing player. And I, and I, we've seen this before where TSM, like Sven is a good example of this, right? Sven comes over, people think Sven sucks. He goes to Cloud9, he's good again, and then he can even go to support, and people think he's really good. Um, there, the, when you have players that you have in a shitty environment, they are not going to find success. And I think what has happened is our top teams have hyper-focused on import players and or veterans, or most often veteran import players, and so you never get any NA talent up at the top. When you finally do have situations like EG who makes a bet on JoJo over Humanoid and puts them into a system where there's a lot of support staff and a lot of good players that he's around, like suddenly, wow, we have North American talent in the region that can be good. And so, and, and Golden Guardians, I think, is, is evidence of the two, this too, where Stixay and Huhi consistently looked bad and then they get into situations where they can flourish and they start to look good again and they find success and we rev them up and now they're, or they were, at MSI, which is a, a place where people wouldn't have expected that team going. Um, and so I really feel like there is... Do I think that we are producing in North America the same amount of talent as like Korea and China and Europe on a consistent basis? No, our player bases are smaller and our support systems yeah. are not as great. But I think that people hyper focus on results and yes. say, oh, tenacity sucked. Like, it's OK that he retired because he had this one split and he didn't look good and he had his chance and it wasn't good. Like, I saw a comment that's like, was Tenacity even ever better than Revenge? And I'm like, okay, so you're saying that this guy who was on his first split with a mid laner who ended up leaving at the end of the split uh, didn't perform as well as Revenge, a player who's been around for a while? And again, your bar on how well Tenacity is doing is a player who's been stuck on a dog shit team for years? Like, what are we doing here, guys? Um, and so, I, I don't know. This is... It, and I think now we're seeing the results of this, right? Where now we're at a point where these guys are, these teams are so unwilling to make bets on North American talent because they're so insistent that it's just like so impossible to get anything good out of these players. Um, and they're so unwilling to promote players up from like an immortals to their team. They'd rather rotate top laners a million times every year um, that we're now just, they're now, the ship has sailed on NACL because they're so or at least on them participating in NACL because they're so allergic to even the premise that you could potentially invest in North American talent, put them in a, in a position to succeed and find good things happen. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that the biggest thing for me is that way back when, I remember like when the teams were talking about the issues with the server, right? They like ping a player base and they were really complaining to write about all this. That is going to exist. Like, like we can do more to like, get young kids to play the game, but that just exists in NA. The way that you have to close the gap the most is through coaching. And when the coaching staff says, I would rather import, you know, this player who's going to have a higher um, floor than work with someone here, like for cheaper, like that is how you close the gap in the long run. Also, like when talking about tenacity, I always love using this. Like when talking about rookies, you know, Peyton Manning threw more picks than TDs in his rookie year. Uh, you, you, sometimes you just have to let players figure it out. And tenacity was forced to play an entirely different style that he never played before and was serviceable. Uh, also, this year was still the most promotions that we saw from Academy to LCS with five, like 10% of the league. That's the most we saw in a while. Uh, the teams that were promoting them. I mean, we have C9 that are at MSI with players that came through Academy and are responsible for a lot of the talent that's in the LCS. Over half the league, if like it is ends up being like what is rumored and reported right now, will have played in challengers at the moment. The fact that like they swept the rug out with so little notice for all teams is, is still, it's really bad. And I, I still really believe that like, how you close the gap in this region, it has to be through coaching because you're not going to get the same quality of player given what the ladder is. You have to close this through coaching. And when the orgs like do not want to invest in that, then like they're never going to be able to compete at the level that the teams compete at around the world. And that, that, that is what it is. And this is not, this is not helping uh, in terms of like enabling them to, you know, I, I, I'm okay. Like NACL had to change at some point, uh, but I think that the manner in which they changed it was not good. Uh, the, the final log I'll throw in the fire here is uh, players themselves. Um, because we talk about teams deciding not to give any rookies a chance. Um, but I would be remiss to not say that a number of roster moves that have yes. prioritized an import over an NA rookie player is NA players themselves. Yes. Um, I won't name names, but I, I can think of three roster moves where uh, an NA player was snubbed for a non-NA player, because a player on that team didn't want to play with that person. Um, because they judge people for being an academy or like a bad split on a bad team or being young and needing to learn. And they just want the guy who's more established. Um, so, yeah, we can roast Riot. Yeah, we can roast player or teams. But like players themselves contribute to this kind of cycle as well. Um, and it's like I get for some players why they feel this way about like being in a win now mentality or something. But there's also times where people just. I don't know, they just they just don't like that player and they don't play with them and like that would be fine in an ecosystem where like the replacement wasn't another import or something. But yeah, it's it's happened a lot and uh, it's problematic. Oh. I mean, I'll, I'll one up you and say like that's part of the reason that champs queue like slowly players like some players just didn't play champs queue. They want to queue up with or against certain people. Like that, that to me is like the most pathetic reason to not play on five ping and get worse practice. I, I moved from the Midwest to here. I hate playing the game now. I, I'm, I'm, I, I went from like 15 ping to 60 ping and it's terrible. Uh, like I, I just don't get like why people would opt into playing on the higher ping. It's brutal. All right. Let's let's go under our collar because we're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been off collars for a bit. Uh, yeah, I think someone even left. Yeah. <laughs> they, they had an MSI take and they're like, fuck this show. And no, 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 we thing. need MSI takes people. We just can't, we can't just be all. Well, no, this is, this is the last one for, for this topic. Okay. I'm sorry. I went long with Cubby, but you know, it's, it's an important topic. You know, yeah. MSI, there's going to be another one next year. NA is going to get shit on. EU is going to get shit on. They're going to pretend they're better than us because they won a game against 
Gen G when they were fucking hard trolling and chasing under a second turret and getting triple anti stunned. And they're going to pretend like that game mattered. They're going to pretend like they did something right in that game. And that fucking Gen G didn't hand G2 the freest one of all time. And then fucking after dunking their ass in under 20 minutes. And that Gen hey, G wasn't Mark, trolling because. We have a caller. Huh? I don't know if you know this. My bad. Uh, Luctus is here. Luctus, where are you called from? Thanks, guys. <laughs> calling from Massachusetts. Wait, we were trying to keep Cubby in for this, right? Cubby, does Cubby have to leave? Uh, I think I think he had to leave. Yeah. Okay. Luctus, you're calling from. He was Mass allowed to stay. Luctus, but... you're calling from Massachusetts. Uh, yes, what I do am. you want to talk about on the show? <laughs> so I um I wanted to talk about basically exactly what you guys have been talking about for the last 20 minutes, which is fine. Um, because a lot of the discussion that I was hoping to stem from my take has already been had. Uh, there's Sorry. a little bit more that I want. No, it's, it's fine. I'm, I'm glad that the discussion got to be had. Uh, there's a little bit more that I wanted to, to add on and point and point out from my take, but I'd, if like if you guys don't want to keep harping on it, no, no, I, no, I think that give us your take. Give us your take. That I was okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I think that something that needs to be called into question is, yes, there are going to be a lot of teams. Not maybe not a lot, but there's going to be maybe half or more teams now that the LCSPA has put out their statement that keep their academy teams maybe remote. But even those teams, like Cloud Nine, is almost certainly keeping their academy team because they get a lot of use from it. They get a lot of benefit. Cloud9 and whatever representative they sent to that meeting that voted on it, probably Jack, are just as responsible for all of these players losing their, their jobs that will uh, for on the academy teams that will not be kept as everybody else, including Riot, including the teams that dropped them, because they, you know, Papa Smithy from FlyQuest, Jack from C9, regardless of if those teams keep those players, those representatives voted to allow the teams to drop them with apps with no safety net for the players with no notice. A lot of these players are kids who probably gave up college opportunities to try and come out to LA and compete. They're probably putting a lot of their lives on hold. Some of them probably can't get into college for the fall semester now because applications are already in. So and, and they're also, a lot of them are expecting a certain amount of money to come from this because they had contracts and they had salaries that they're now not going to get. How many of these players signed leases in LA and now they have to pay to break those leases? Will the teams be paying to break the leases for them? If not, will the representatives like Papa Smithy and Jack directly pay for these players, all these players' costs, their moving costs, breaking the leases, them flying back out to wherever they live? Because if not, that's, it's, horrendously unethical and an argument that i see that i've seen a lot of people come up for this is why is it so bad that these teams are doing it when a bunch of companies and corporations do it all the time and i'd like to parrot travis's argument for a lot of things is just because other people do it doesn't mean that we have to do it as well and the esports has to do it as well it doesn't make it any better well and also i think i think the circumstances are different you know whenever you are laying off a 25 year old person who's living in cupertino or i, I don't know the northern california and the silicon valley they're often getting one they've they've already been making a good amount of money for a while Two, you're giving them severance. Um, like there's just there's just a way better <laughs> system and safety net for that person 
versus and when you're like they have a like a real career yeah know, like yeah they can get a future job easily here right whereas when you have moved um you know let's say a 19 year old to la and you're paying them 60k and they have given up on college to do this and you've made them sign a lease the it's a very very different set of circumstances right and and again i hope that these teams are willing to give severance and compensation and support to these players but i mean i think the fact that they push to make this happen now and not three months from now is indication that they're not interested in giving those those folks support so i, I hope i'm proven mm-hmm. wrong but i mean i agree with you i think what has been very fascinating to me is that I think Phil and the Players Association have done a very good job because you're you are right that the teams are getting a bit of a pass on taking heat on this. I mean, some of the, there's still people calling them out, right? But like the main target has been Riot, and I and I have not had conversations with them about this by any means. But it is obvious to me that the Players Association has identified that it is much easier for the players to pick a fight with Riot. That is for them to pick a fight with the teams that are paying them. It's a lot safer for them. People that they see all the time, et cetera. Yeah, it's just like it's it is not it's more comfortable for a player to go and do an interview being like, We're really disappointed in Riot than it is for him to say, I'm really disappointed in my organization. Mm-hmm. So I think that is why you are seeing Riot be bear the the brunt of this and and to su- and you are right that like the team owners did this, but like Riot ultimately was the one who got to make the decision, right? Le- the mm-hmm. Riot could have told all the owners to fuck off when they sent them like the letter of we've unanimously voted, um, but they didn't, and and they also they also made that decision knowing that they did not have much of a plan in place on the other side of it, right? Um, and I think that that my, is also a big problem, right? Is that? Uh, oh, go ahead. No, no, so no. My, I, you, sorry, sorry. You go. Oh, I don't know who you were go heading. Who are you go heading? Caller, go ahead. Caller, go ahead. <laughs> so Fuck. my counterpoint to that is, I think at this point, everybody that follows the scene knows that Riot doesn't think a lot of its decisions through, and is relatively unscrupulous as a company in general with how and and they don't really think about the impact of a lot of their decisions so i i'm not trying to shift blame away from riot in general but wait until you hear about how much money all those lcs teams were spending (laughs) if you want to talk about (laughs) being sure about the impact of their decisions (laughs) so (laughs) dude that 40 million dollar training facility is going to see value any second now Big ROI coming in. But a lot of these teams, you know, Riot, when Riot says, you know, we support the NA ecosystem, we support um, the the academy system, and we really want to foster growing talent, everybody knows it's bullshit. Not a, nobody believes Riot when they say that. But when I teams believe them. say it. No, I, I, I believe them. Like, they are only incentivized to have this, this stuff work out. Like, that is, that is the... That is the central disconnect between the community, I think, at times, and Riot, is 
they riot the the community seems to to frequently be, to think that like riot is okay with the LCS dying or that they're encouraging it to die or I see comments that are like no they made this I don't money. think they're encouraging it to die I actually I I don't I don't think about that they're encouraging it to die or they care about it dying but I do think that they care about individual players in their ecosystem a lot less than they let on. I don't, and a lot less than I mean, they say. In the in the sense, only in the sense that I think they care about the system, not the <laughs> individuals necessarily. Like I, I will agree with you that Riot was insensitive at at the least in their approach to this, right? Like I don't think that their article, and I need to check it again. I mean, it's been a couple of days, but I don't think that their article made mention of like, here's how we're going to help these people who are about to lose their job um, because they don't have a way of doing, or they don't have any plans on doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like their plan is like, we're going to try to figure out how to make the NACL not need these team owners. Um, but they're, they're not like, Oh, for the seven, you know, 18 year old, 19 year old that has an apartment in LA. I, I will agree with you that they did a poor job there, but I don't, I disagree with the idea that they don't care about development in this ecosystem. Okay. One thing I want to throw in here as well is, um, we talk about teams like a monolith, like they're all the same and they're not. And I think like um, the voting, you can actually probably break down the reasons that people have into various categories. Like we talk about, you know, oh, how many of these, like, for example, Travis and I have talked about like, you know, roughly if these teams costed $600,000 to operate and you're killing it for a split and you have housing, these kinds of things, like how much money are you realistically saving? It's maybe like 300,000 if you kill it right now. Like if if our ecosystem is $300,000 away from collapsing, like we're in deep shit beyond like, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's a big problem right there. But the reality is like, who knows how many of the teams actually needed that immediate break right then and there to like stay afloat into 2024. Like maybe, I, I don't know any team's specific financials, but like it wouldn't shock me if that was actually true for, for mean, a team or two. Yeah. For a team or two, but, but think about the fact that a lot of these guys are backed by like NBA teams and stuff like the, uh, sorry continue well either way like if, if your budget is this and you're about to go over budget like they don't give a fuck i'm pretty sure they'll just like, be like yeah whatever fucking sell it bankrupt it i don't care you know like i i don't know how, how big big investors think but i assume if an investment fails they just eat it and move on you know um, <laughs> um but like i think my, my point with this is that like some teams maybe really did need the relief and some were just happy to shed the responsibility you know some some might have been like, great, fuck it. I don't actually want to do this. And it's not like they needed it immediately, whereas some teams maybe actually did need it else they might have collapsed. I don't know. But and in some cases, it weakens their, their arrivals, right? Like, <laughs> Right. That, that's where I was going to go. The third category is, let's say you're a Jack or a Steve, and you actually believe in NA talent. And now there's just less people bidding on the fucking players you want. Like, fuck yeah, I want to vote to get rid of academy and get these shitheads out of my scene where I can actually like control it better as like a, you know, a ruthless business person. Like, yeah, I would vote to kill it. You know, like so there's, there's I, multiple angle. Hold on, let me just finish up. Yeah, there's yeah, multiple angles for why teams would vote to remove academy beyond immediate economic relief needed. Like there's some teams which are just like, they're not invested and they don't give a shit. Like TSM, I don't think is close to collapsing as an organization financially, but I don't think they give a fuck. If someone told me, like, I don't know, Immortals or Digas close to collapsing. I just, I, I don't actually know anyone's financials, but like, there's just an org that doesn't seem to be doing very much versus like an org that is not interested, you know, like 
there's different reasons. C9 and TL are clearly interested, but they might have voted to get rid of it so that they could capitalize on the new system better or something, you know, like, um, so I, that's something I just wanted to say is like, we talk about teams, like there's just one reason, but there's actually probably a lot of reasons. And like the thing for riot hypothetically, like, let's say you don't want two of your teams to collapse. And so you, you can't just allow just them to not have Academy teams. Um, you would need to like make the rule for the whole field. So if it's like, we have to make this, we have to disallow forced Academy teams to save two teams from fucking bankrupting in summer or something, you know, like, I don't know if that's true, but like, again, hypothetically, you then would have to make it for everyone. So I don't know. It feels like maybe some more opportunistic people manip- like use the situation where some teams actually needed relief into like, you know, their own benefits. I'm not quite sure, but it's, it's a more complex thing than just like all these teams were <laughs> collapsing or something, you know? So I'll be the first to admit that I, my take, my take on the situation and my thoughts on the situation is not nearly as nuanced as yours or as Travis or as Cubbies, but I want to think about the individuals more than the players themselves or NA talent themselves. Mm-hmm. If so, for example, my the whole thing that got me riled up about this was I was actually the person that was um, that was heckling Papa Smithy and Travis's stream the other day, uh, and it was. Because Papa Smithy said in the chat, I really, really care about North American talent and young NA players. And yet he went to this meeting and he voted to axe this thing. And so if even one out of however many NA players are going to get laid off, if even a single person there is financially harmed, if their life is put on hold, if they gave up college to this and signed a lease and now they're have a massive financial bur- burden on their shoulders and Papa Sm- one NA player is harmed by this. And Papa Smithy came out and said, I love NA players. I support them. And then voted for this. Then that shows a level of hypocrisy that cannot, in my opinion, be understated. And if he didn't think about it and he's that far removed from those individuals, then why is he being allowed to vote on these decisions in the first place? Because these are people's lives. You know, it's not NA talent in general. It's an individual who there's probably somebody out of this that's going to get fucked for life. I don't know if anybody's going to get fucked for life. That's a very long Maybe not life, time. but right. there, there, there's going to be a lot of I don't think they're going to be 85 that... being like, my life just never recovered after I lost my challenger there's a lot of harm that could come to individuals from this decision and these are supposedly the individuals that these individuals who voted on it say that they love and support i i Um, think i think and i'm only using papa smithy because he actively actually came out and said you know i love and support i'm not trying to focus in on him specifically everybody that went to that meeting and voted on it is just as liable mark um I was going to say it's possible. I mean, like, I don't know every player's financial situations, but like we've seen through the documentaries that have been done that there's plenty of players who come up through low income households. And, you know, this is not something like they are, they really are risking something to do this. Uh, so like, I don't want to say that there's no potential risk for something like this to really hurt people. Um, but I also say like a potential angle is what I was just saying, where like, let's say like there are legitimately a couple teams on the verge of collapse, right? A lot of other people are going to lose their jobs if, if that org dies too. 
Um, right. Like if all, again, I don't know if it's true, but like if, if all of Ding Toss went under, like, oh yeah, a lot of other jobs are gone there too. Um, if, if a full org fails or something like that. So I think if you're, here's my steel man defense of Papa Smithy, not that I fully buy it, but if you think that if you really do believe in any talent, but like one of the orgs in your ecosystem is about to boom, you, you kind of need to save them. Um, and then he can still not sell the, his Academy team. He can keep paying them and keep them in Los I mean, Angeles to, to your point earlier, maybe. Mark, I don't know if this saves them though. No, I mean, I'm like, again, I'm steel manning. I'm not saying I believe this. I'm saying like the steel yeah. man defensive. I was Papa Smithy in this situation is be like, I do believe in any talent. My org is going to stay invested in it. I'm going to control my variables, but I can't ignore what's going on in the ecosystem. And like, we need 10 teams in the league or something and blah, blah, blah. And whatever, you know, like there, there's a case he can make. I don't, I still think it's like, I mean, I'm again, I'm not for Academy dying it right now. Like, I think it's, I think it's fucked up. I do think it's fucked up. All right. We got to move on. We still have to talk about MSI. Uh, and I have an ad to do. Luctus, thank you so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out? Uh, shout out to shout out to selectively active shout out to the sponsors and thank you for having me on the show and letting me give my take, even though I know it was a little hyperbolic at times. I appreciate it. That's fine. No, it's all good. I, and I, I, one thing I want to mention is you said that your take was not as nuanced as Mark and I, I think one thing that happens is Mark and I oftentimes look like many of us at the big picture with all this, these data points and all this conversation that we have all the time. And one of the things I really like about the show is that, you know, for somebody who's just a fan of the sport and is watching this stuff, they don't have all that stuff. And it doesn't mean that their take is any less valid or, you know, uh, that they shouldn't have that take because they need to look at it from like the pure, what do I think of this perspective? And so that's one of the reasons I really appreciate you calling in with stuff like this. So thanks so much, Lectus, and we'll catch you next time. All right. Real, real quick before you you completely transition. One thing I just want to call, comment on for listeners that's being in conversation in Twitch chat right now is why like a, a, a one of your orgs collapsing is really dangerous for your entire ecosystem because like how are you going to get someone to replace that if an org literally just failed? <laughs> if if someone you know just like died in your economy and you're like, hey, who else wants to join up? That looks bad. It looks bad for sponsors. It looks bad for the league. Like an org going under would look terrible. So like if you can protect them. I think it's going to happen. Like if, if they need the beautiful, well, I mean, I'm not saying one of the great things about an org going under is that you don't necessarily need to replace them. Eight teams <laughs> I mean, for the LCS. We're, we're baby. downsizing teams. <laughs> Dude, I would, I continue to think it would be great if LCS had eight teams next year. And like the way to do that is to let two of these teams go bankrupt. And uh, I, I'm not saying this is the decision I would make if I was sitting in the throne. Uh, but I, I just think it's a very funny situation where you're like, well, CL that is a CLG convenient way where we don't need to pay anybody 10 million to leave. No. So someone said CLG went under CLG, Travis, correct me if I'm wrong. They didn't go bankrupt. And then riot had to like take their spot back and sell it. Yeah, like yeah. that's not what happened. The, the or just sold there. There are again, I, everything I just said is true, but it's just funny. Cause you read Twitch chat and people have so many misunderstandings. Uh, the CLG NRG thing, and, and it's fair because a lot of the stuff is not clarified or whatever, but it, it, it kills me because people have a lot of confidence in their ignorance. Uh, the CLG NRG thing was basically a merger of CLG and NRG. So I, I don't think this pu information is public, but like 
NRG did not actually, to my understanding, from what I've heard from multiple people, NRG did not actually pay any money to acquire CLG. If anything, I've heard that there's a potential that MSG actually sold, actually paid NRG some money, and that there was a very and now now MSG now owns a lot of equity in NRG. I actually wonder if some of the stuff will get disclosed because NRG or MSG is a publicly traded company. So I I'm curious, and I don't I don't know enough about how this like stuff is disclosed. Call. But yeah, like maybe this shows up in some sort of report or something. Um, so yeah, CLG did not go under. It's just a situation where like MSG, which has spent a bunch of money on this like big old sphere thing in Vegas and is in a weird financial situation. They're splitting their company in two. This was a convenient way for them to like hand all of the stuff off to something else. So, um, yeah, I mean, there was a significant amount of money that was paid for FlyQuest less like what, six months ago, seven months ago. So it's not yeah. a situation where like this is this has gone down to zero and the value is just not there anymore. So uh, yeah, exactly. The, these spots still hold value, and if something goes bankrupt in your ecosystem, it looks really bad. Yeah. Um, so like the there, best thing to do there in those situations is just to like flame the shit out of the company and be like, no, you don't understand. These guys sucked. That's why they went bankrupt, not because of uh, LCS. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of anyways. There's there's a lot of like factors to this, and, and we'll get back on the MSI now. But yeah. like, I just want to say that there's like there are there is some level of nuance to this, and I don't know. It's just a shitty situation. Yeah. Unique unique control in the chat. So CLG decided having some equity and energy is more valuable than their LCS spot. They get both. That's the point. Energy they, owns the spot. Yeah. They effectively sold their spot for stock. Is, yeah, is like the way it's, to think it's about a it. trade. It's they they still get part of it. That's how this works. Okay, this is the stuff that tilts me to no end. Okay, uh, let's take a quick break to talk about one plus. Okay, folks, two giveaways right now. Go win a one plus phone by entering in our giveaway. Uh, this one plus eleven. You can have the phone I have in my hand right now if you win it. It's for U.S. because I have to ship the phone and shipping it to other countries that are going to have fees where it gets important like it's just not something i'm in the uh a situation to do but i i will be hand shipping the phone to you if you win so go enter it uh you can uh do exclamation mark one plus in the chat i'll also make sure that the uh giveaway is linked in the description of the youtube video um and if you can enter into that it's actually very very helpful for me um because the more people that enter into it it's, it's actually not just winning the phone, but it's also just a cool way to support um, what I do here because sponsors tend to look at those giveaways and see how that works um, and and what kind of attention is given there. We are also giving away, and this is, uh, by the way, this is all cool that OnePlus is doing this. We're also giving away 20 tickets, 10 to Saturday, 10 to Sunday. Uh, you have a chance to win two of those tickets. If you go look at my Twitter, uh, Numi is maybe not in the chat right now, but I will link it in there just in case she's not you can go retweet this tweet and follow me in OnePlus on twitter and you can get a ticket to go watch finals uh, we, we're not going to fly you to london but if you can get to london or you're already in london or something like that you can uh you can get those tickets and yeah it's pretty cool so thank you so much to OnePlus for making that happen go check out the OnePlus 11 which is available now and the OnePlus pad which is also available I've been using the OnePlus pad to play a game that Mark does not let me talk about um, on the show. 
uh, I've been using it to play it, both the digital version of it, but also I've been using it as a life tracker when I'm playing with Vettius and uh, Medic and Drake. Actually, uh, Vettius was not playing, but Medic and Dracos and some cool folks. So uh, go check out the OnePlus Pad. It's their tablet, and you can you can go. I've really enjoyed it, uh, especially the accessories, the keyboard and mouse. And I, I might have a fun surprise test coming out soon that, that features that. All right. We've got Excelsior here. Excelsior, where are you calling from? I am calling from the beautiful city of Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. What do you want to talk about on the show? I would like to talk about how, in the grand scheme of things, Golden Guardians had about as good a showing for an NA team as you could hope to to see from the, the current state of the LCS. All right. Well, they lost to another NA team. So I'm already confused because I feel like the better showing would have been Cloud9. Yeah, but retroactive to the to the plan stage, right? Okay. Okay. We're to the, to the, you mean to the, the retro? I think he's saying, based off expectations, that's pretty good for Golden Guardians. Exactly. Right? Okay, like, go ahead, go ahead. They, they did, you know, they didn't lose any games to minor region teams, or, or sorry, it's supposed to call them developing regions. Uh, they took a game off BLG. Uh, they, you know, showed up to the qualifier match, looked at PSG talent in the face, and said, you don't deserve to be in this tournament. Uh, and then played JDG close, at least in game two, right? Like, if I told you that an NA team was going to lose 3-0 to the Chinese number one seed and have a tight game two, would that not be a pretty reasonable showing? And then, yeah, they lost to Cloud9. But as far as what we could expect from an LCS team, they did great for this MSI, and I don't think we should take that away from them. I will say, as far as what we could expect from Golden Guardians, they did amazing. Um, and that's not even meant as a slight against Golden Guardians, so I know it kind of sounds like it. I think, I mean, they overperformed most people's expectations, and they definitely seemed like, I, I'm maybe I'm crazy, but I feel like they've shown the most compelling fights of a Western or the most compelling games of a Western team against Eastern teams. Um, so I'm right there with you. I'm not saying that like, I don't think this is the high standard or bar we need to set ourselves to as North America. I think we can be more competitive. Um, and maybe cloud nine will show that this week. I don't know, but I, th I think that this is not the highest bar for a North American team at an international event. And we've seen that previously. Other North American teams have gone further. Yeah, I, I can't say this is high bar or anything, but I think I'm happy with Golden Guardians' performance. Uh, MSI is a in the new format, kind of tough. They slam planes; they look really good. They the the games versus uh, JDG, they were not super blow. Like we didn't get embarrassed. I don't think the way, if I'm being honest, Europe kind of got embarrassed. Uh, so like. I, I don't know how I, I haven't really seen much conversation about NA versus EU. And the, the thing that I always see is like, haha, you know, we won one of our series and I'm like, or one of our games. And I'm like, well, yeah, but if you just care about one game, Golden Guardians beat BLG in play-ins for one game. Yeah. Uh, and if you're talking about quality of game, like we didn't get our pants pulled down and like spanked in one of the games either, you know, like none of our games were sub 20 minute blowouts. So like, not like we were like super dominant, but I bet if you like, I haven't dug into the stats, but I bet I could pull out a handful of stats that paint this picture that in terms of closeness percent, major lead percent, 
goal differences, like these kinds of things. I, I bet we were closer at 15 and like had, had better early games. Cause I think um, golden guardians versus JDG was like not the worst thing in the world. And, and uh, C9 versus uh, BLG. I actually think there were a lot of winning situations that they just fucked up. Uh, and that seems to be the, the, the standard is that like for a period of time, it felt like our macro, we would just get out macroed and we would like be even in kills and down 3000 gold somehow or like up in kills and down 3000 gold because of CSing and laning and like all this stuff. Now I feel like we go into mid game with like leads and we just fucking lose <laughs> like happened to mad lions happened to G2. I'm pretty sure happened to C9. I think it happened to GG. I think all four teams from the West had gold leads going to like Drake fights or Baron situations and stuff like that. I, I would have to check, but I'm pretty sure every single one of them at one point had pretty big gold leads and then through because our team fighting is just way worse. I mean, I, yeah, I th I just remember for a while, you just have North American teams go to these events and, like, the games would be painful to watch. Like, you would just, it would be like, please turn it off. I don't want to see this. It is, it would just be awful. And I think there were a lot of times where NA teams have challenged, and Golden Guardians being more than Cloud9, have challenged the other team and made them feel like they could lose, you know? Whereas I just, uh, there's so many years where I remember where like that just never happened. You know, it just, it, it the gap, oh God, I hate to use the word, but the gap just seems so huge. I know that's crazy. Oh, me. <laughs> I, I know that's crazy to say about series where it's like 3 0 or whatever, but I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like I've, I am largely satisfied with the fact that we sent goddamn golden guardians to an international event and they in my opinion did not embarrass themselves and if you want to just talk about like individual storylines too like there are wins like licorice looked good yeah. you know like this guy was i don't want to say griefing but like struggling in the middle of the split in na and he's going out there and like slamming people you know like that was cool. I was really happy about that. I think who he looked good. Stix A was probably like the biggest individual concern. Um, it, it, there were some rough landing phases for him and who he and like sometimes Gordon River didn't look on the same page. And like, I don't know, th th there's problems, but there's also legitimate bright spots. Like Berserker was insane. Like last year at Worlds, Berserker felt like the NA hype guy where it's like, oh, he's really good for NA, but like you go to Worlds and you get exposed. This time, I feel like he's actually holding his own. Uh, and outperforming some some of the Eastern AD carries in certain games and late game situations, and it's like clearly the team around him is worse. But like, I don't feel like he he was bad. So like, you know, Blabber had some good games as well. I like people said Twitch uh, I was telling me like C9 didn't have a gold lead in game one, and so may maybe it's just game state that I'm remembering. But like they they were in a winning game position um, with their draft. They should have won that game. They just were really bad about picking their fights and stuff. So like that's what I mean. Where like there were a lot of games where it felt winnable if we were just better team fighters, and I think if there's one thing to take back, it's like, we got to, we got to fight way more in like, in, I don't know what's going on in scrims. Maybe, maybe they are getting to late game and we're just, you know, worse at it. But like if we're FFing scrims frequently, like that's got to stop or something because like we need to get better at team fighting. That is where we're failing right now. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. And, caller. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add on that, you know, in relation to fighting Mark, like who he sticks a, and then the, the, you know, the whole team behind them, right. That set set pick against PSG. We're actively looking for fights. That uh, that rel looked good from Huhi. Yep. Well, I like the mindset out of both prior years. 
think neither of our teams are playing scared, which I love. Thanks so much, Excelsior, for the call. Anything you want to shout out before we go on to our last caller? I would like to give a brief shout out to OnePlus, Alienware, and my team, Team Liquid. Love you, Steve. Very good. Thank you so much for the call. We'll catch you next time. All right. We got one last caller to go. Mark is off to grab him. Uh, we got Designer Dave, Prometheus, Damon Valkyrie, Shampoo, uh, Kane's Real Foxy One, and Jaffe Fifty Eight. Thank you everybody who subbed. I've been not doing a great job of reading them out, but uh, yeah, Mister Cool, welcome to the show. Where are you calling from? I am calling from Ontario, Canada. What do you want to talk about on the show? Yeah, so my take is that Golden Guardians of C9 looked a lot better um, than expected in their losses. Um, in you know past years, we've seen a lot of any teams kind of just struggle in the early game. Uh, you know, 2,000 gold leads just from CS, uh, etc. Um, but they played a lot better in their early games. They played a lot better in their mid games. But a lot of the, like the losses came down to macro and setup. Um, in the future, where you know potential three splits happen. Um, Instead of having two, that might open up more tournaments, like having two kind of MSI-style tournaments. Uh, might close gaps in, in macro and setup, um, just having more exposure to play against uh, better teams, Eastern teams. Ah, okay, so you're just saying if we can get more games in, that yeah, might Yeah, more, more games, more exposure, yeah, to international competition. I don't, I'm a little skeptical. I, I, I don't know if, uh, if that... I feel like if they were scrimming against each other all the time and playing against each other all the time, then maybe I'd agree with you. But I don't know if, like, we send a team and then they get good and then, like, they come back and they play for three months in North America and then we send them again. Like, I just don't... I don't know if it's sustained enough for, like, in terms of the level up. Like, I think... I, I and It's impossible to answer, but I don't know how much, like, MSI experience improves your performance at Worlds. And, and, and if it... I'm not saying it doesn't improve it at all, but, like... I don't know if it does it enough to really like boost the team up to another level at worlds, if that makes sense. But Mark, I wasn't a coach. So no. you, you tell me what's up. No, no, I, I completely agree. I think it does make you better and exposes your problems. But then when you go back to NA or whatever domestic league you have, the game has changed, the environment's changed and like whatever things you learned on that specific patch, um, you might be able to continue, but like realistically you're going to have new problems that arise and like how the game is played four months later when you're back at worlds or whatever, you know? So, um, it definitely helps, but it tends to get washed away in time pretty quickly. I also so, wonder if like teams like mad lions or team liquid teams that just show like go to international events and then don't like, they seem so dominant domestically and then they can't bring it whenever they show up. I do wonder how much of that is because they figure out a strategy that allows them to beat the teams locally. And then they just like that, they, that doesn't hold up, right? Like, oh, you just can't, like, demolish people in lane and get a giant lead, and that's how you win type thing. Or you can't just, like, have superior macro and then, like, win because they're just going to beat you early game or something. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. I mean, like, a lot of teams from North America historically have had the, like, do nothing in scale kind of game plan or, like, we'll just be better than you in the early game and, like, slam picks. And it's, like, C9 is that a little bit where they take like a game three against Golden Guardians is a perfect example where like they can just hands diff the entire region and win kind of, but like they need better team fight execution and setup and like communication if they actually want to beat their opponents because 
you still need to win that portion of the game. Uh, I think their game one draft again versus BLG was like a perfect game to win. Um, you know, they, if their hands were better, they, they maybe could have won early game more or something. Um, but like the real problem was like their engages were just uncoordinated. And that's the kind of stuff that teams realistically need to level up on. And that's why like, I didn't like PSG. I was, I was always a PSG hater um, because they just had the, the typical North American like way of approaching the game. I just don't believe in that play style when you're going to be playing against like better opponents than you face regionally. Um, unless you're like Korea, which then at point that point, you're not playing teams better than you. So like I, controlled play styles are fine, but like it's very hard to punch above your weight class playing that way. Yeah. Caller, I, I know we kind of disagree with you. I don't know if you have any <laughs> follow-up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely agree. Like, you know, just having a little bit of exposure a little bit more of the time might not necessarily mean you get better maybe you get worse maybe the eastern teams get better at beating you um but um i, I think it definitely might help especially you know in the next couple of years we might see some other changes you know academy now going away maybe you know um just an idea like maybe the org send amateur teams to korea and like just play their players there and then you know when they find a new, new talent and they're like okay well we want them on their roster you know we just send them back to north america play an lcs uh maybe three import slots right like just having all these things together might might help, but you're losing um, me here. <laughs> You've left the ranch. I, I, I'm saying that it, it might just be a little bit, you know, like just a little bit of hope. I guess copium. Yeah, um, yeah. I like. I think. More. I think it is fair to say that NA fans should look at this event and feel like, hey, maybe we're not as bad as everybody thinks. Well, I I feel like the thing that really pisses me off about the format, and we have a call coming up about that a little bit, but like. Oh, I thought this was our last. No, no, I pulled one more because I wanted an MSI format one. So we, we hit a little bit more on MSI. Sure. Plus, we started a little late, you know? So that's fine. And it's not 10 o'clock when, when we're ending normally or whatever it is. So no, it's 2 a.m. Yeah, whatever. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm like, I feel great, man. What are you? Yeah, my bad. Um, anyways, where I was going to go with that was um, I feel like this would have been a great event for NA to fight Europe. Like, maybe we still lose, but like, God, I would have liked to have gotten a shot at mad lions because i don't believe in them at all and like i think even golden guardians could maybe beat them because i i really like golden guardians draft prep like i I feel like they usually do good drafts and it felt like eu disrespected mad lions and like i don't think na would have done that you know and like maybe gg could have taken them like g2 versus versus c9 i actually that's a really good matchup like i would love to watch g2 versus c9 i would fucking love it but we're not gonna get it so like you know there was a reddit thread that was like just do a rift rivals between these two teams I don't think they would take it seriously. I think you need to be in like tournament play to like really take the results seriously uh, or like any, any sort of like serious competition. But like, it just sucks that like, I, I feel like this could have been a great tournament for the EU NA rivalry in terms of like where the skill levels are at. And we just didn't get it. Thanks so much caller for the call. Is there anything you want to shout out as we go on to our last caller? Yeah, of course. Thank you to you guys, of course, for putting on out this content. I think content like this, uh, the dive, et cetera, um, really help with any viewership. Um, shout out to the sponsors, Alienware One Plus, and uh, my friend Leo, who uh, got his tweet posted on LS's uh, YouTube thumbnail. <laughs> really nice. I beat that, you. That's a big. That's a big life <laughs> moment. I've never gotten a tweet. I'm going. On. I'm going to check LS's, LS's thumbnail. Thumbnails, yeah. Thanks it's so much. an old video. Catch you next time. Oh, okay. Uh, by the way, after this call, nobody leave because I need you for eight minutes. Just eight minutes of your time. And afterwards, I will reward you with a pretty spicy fudge interview where we talk about the NACL stuff. Um, I will air it on stream. So don't leave if you 
You don't want to miss that. And if you're watching the VOD, then um, I probably posted the Fudge interview. And if not, I probably will soon. But yeah, the Fudge interview, you're, you're, you're going to want to see this one. Uh, Zemelkai is here. Zemelkai, where are you calling from? Uh, I am calling from uh, London, United Kingdom, which what? is also why I am having to whisper because it's 2 a.m. and I have people in the room next door. Okay. Well, uh, it's kind of hard to hear you, but we will go ahead and, and give your take. Uh, okay. So uh, I'll try and keep it brief then. But the take is that the MSI format has mostly succeeded in its goals. Uh, as laid out by Riot at the start of the year, and it only requires minor adjustments for future years to sharpen it up as a tournament. And this is partly in response to you saying that it needs best of threes. Um, but So I think the, the thing that I went back to is the Riot-like deep dive post from the start of the year, and talking about MSI wanting to not just be in, like, Worlds' shadow as, like, mini-shit Worlds, and to have it be the middle of the year, like, evaluating the strength of different regions. I think it's been pretty good for that. And so as long as you adjusted the draft so that you don't get, like, uh, the inter-region civil war that we ended up with then uh, it's actually been pretty good at getting, like, showing the strength of regions and getting to that pretty quickly. Okay. Uh, I will say it's I'll very... Say your, your whispering was so fucking funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Twitch chat's being rude, but, like, at the same time, uh, it's my bad for polling someone who it's 2 a.m. for and they have to whisper. So I hope everyone enjoyed the ASMR. Uh, time to blow everyone's ears out if they, if they had to turn up. I thought I could hear. Maybe it's just this Alienware headset so fucking good that like it sounded super easy to hear to me. I think something. Uh, I think I think Windows is still compressing audio because you sound actually not bad to me, but Twitch chat sometimes complains about your your stuff. So I'll be on my regular mm-hmm. setup uh, next week, everybody. So we'll be we'll be back to normal. But sorry. Anyway, go ahead, Mark. Uh, I was just saying that I uh, mostly agree with this call. Despite some of my complaints about the format and stuff like that, I honestly, uh, my only complaint is that the loose's bracket did not uh, switch up the like regional problem that we, we got into here. And I think one simple rule about spreading it out, you know, you can't have same regions on the same side of the bracket would, would fix all the problems. Um, you know, I, I think it's unfortunate that rule wasn't in place and because tournaments are so infrequent, you know, it's, it's going to be a full year before we have a double Elim bracket again, because worlds isn't double Elim that we get a double Elim bracket that has this like kind of thing considered. And I know some people are like, Oh, but it diminishes the amount of draws that can happen. My argument to that is like, I really don't care about the like complete randomness. I would rather just have a well-seated bracket because that's how a lot of tournaments run is they just fully seed their bracket. Um, there was another caller who was talking about like part of the problem with this isn't just the draw, but like that T1 is put in tier three because like there's this kind of like forced regional parity that we half pretend is there, but not fully, you know, like maybe that's something that can be looked at. There's like other potential solves um, that you could do. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I am kind of enjoying this tournament. Like it does feel like a, a real tournament in a sense, you know, where there's 
Sometimes I feel like MSI doesn't feel like a tournament. You know what I'm talking about, Travis? Where it feels more like an event than a tournament. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Especially in the past. It's just been a little... Like, because you had so few teams. That was the biggest thing. I think the biggest win about this format is that you have, like, multiple teams from the major regions. And I think that's what's making this feel so good. Because it's not just like, all right, it it, it always feels really bad because even at Worlds, you usually get one international team that blows up because, like, there's a sub or, like, they just couldn't. They have, like, Mad Lions happen, right? And if Mad Lions was the only EU team here, like, for North American, it would be pretty fucking funny. But for our EU, that, that would feel that would feel really bad. So having G two here is like a good well, but you know, like I well and sorry, I can't finish. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like I think for me, that's the secret sauce that nobody's really talking about is like how we've just invited more teams and it feels less like a show match situation. Absolutely, because the problem before also was that like it like sometimes you would pretend like they had a real chance to win, and they did win once, and it's legitimate. But like a lot of the MSIs, like the majority of them, I would say, was basically just like who's going to win this year, China or NA? Obviously, China or LCK. Excuse me. And then NA and EU are just like fighting for like kind of weird table scraps of who gets more wins in a best of one before they lose their best of five series. You know. Um, and like I said, there, there were years where EU legitimately had runs or like NA had their little run. But like the majority of years is just like who's going to win, NA or LCK or LPL. And now there's two of those. The question is, which of these four teams is actually going to win? And like, is Gen G actually better than T1? And like, I, I feel like there's to that point, just by having more teams there, you naturally get a lot more like things you're kind of watching for. And so the other problem was they just the insane amount of best of ones that made it feel like an event. It was like, there's not many teams. They play a billion times. And it's like weird best of one, like super round robin thing and then the entire tournament plays out in three days you know it's like it's three best of fives just friday saturday sunday and it's done you're like okay i guess that's a tournament i guess you can call that a tournament agreed agreed Agreed. all right anyway i'm fine like i i just think i'm i am more sensitive to most than like how many how many days in it was a row where it was just like i would just show up 3-0 do the interview leave like that is the thing that I, and maybe just being on the ground and like working it feels if I feel it more than like the people that are tuning into it but it I just feel like there's probably a better solution than that but I seem to be the only person who feels like that's weird well, so I mean it, it it might be I, I would wonder how fans who attend the event feel like buying a ticket and showing up and just watching that and fucking off like Hopefully, in the future, we can get a call or find someone who can chime in on that. Because maybe, maybe it does feel really weird in person. But maybe, oh, actually, yeah. What am I saying? Zamelka, I, you, I, you did that. I, I literally, um, so I bought a ticket specifically to go see C9 BLG on the Thursday because I was like, I think that's the game that either like EU or NA has the best chance of winning. Um, and that was a very depressing day personally but at the same time like i still had a good time and like i didn't feel cheated because i like i think you know that when you like when you buy a ticket for a best of five you sign up for either a 3-0 or a 3-2 and like you always hope for the 3-2 but i feel like 
accepting the chance for three O is kind of included in the price of admission. Like I bought tickets to play-ins and I bought tickets to some of the days that were back to back two O's as well. Um I don't think that like like four games isn't particularly better than three games. Uh, like I'd argue that I got more value out of the uh C nine BLG three O than I did out of one of the two O two O days. Well, I think um, you can the the there's a very big difference between what feels like a competitive three O and what is a stop. Like if you're going into game three and you're like, should I just leave and avoid traffic? Uh, because because you just know that shit's dead. I think that probably feels a lot worse than than what you know is a is a series where you're like, okay, well, even going into game three, there's a chance, you know. I mean, to that point though, like. I think what they're saying is just there's also stomps in best of three days where it's just stomp, stomp. And you're like, all right, I'm going to fucking leave, you know, like, and maybe you don't even care about the second series. Like there's a chance that you in the double best of three thing can, can have similar esque feelings. Um, though I do agree, like for, for viewers at home, which I, I think is ultimately what the broadcast should be optimized for is like, it's probably not too bad to watch a three and just be like, all right, I'm going to go, uh, get lunch now if you're like a european fan you're gonna go to dinner now like whatever like you watched it it wasn't competitive you move on with your day um and maybe you get some insane series uh and and hopefully as the tournament moves on we get more of them as uh these shitter western teams drop out true all right uh thank you so much zamelka anything you want to shout out uh shout out alienware and oneplus as always uh particularly oneplus for the phone giveaway and the ticket giveaway i'm sad the phone giveaway is na only because i kind of need a new phone and i'm gonna be looking at oneplus like for it um other than that uh oh uh not league but valorant the valorant american valorant players association just formed uh so that's pretty cool and alongside supporting the lcspa uh people should support the avpa i guess very good thank you so much for the call we'll catch you next time all right uh, again, nobody leave because I'm going to show a fudge interview after the show's done that I think people will really like. But that is the show. We're going to stop recording here in a second so that people that are listening to the podcast and the YouTube people can watch us. Uh, Mark, what do you want to shout out? What do you want to plug? Shout out. Um... I know you said two blame games this week. What if we just did one blame game this week and one blame game next week? I'm just worried about well, how much content so... I'm releasing. I get what you're saying. Um, you tell me one is very topical and the viewership will probably die if I don't do it right away, which is talking about NA and EU at, I guess maybe it'll, it'll last a little bit. Um, NA and EU at MSI. And then the other one is the Academy scene booming, which I think will get a lot of views, uh, right now and we'll still get decent views later but like it's like the iron's hot right now you know yeah. so like, i think i think it'll still be hot next week because i think i don't think this conversation is going away right now i mean if anything like on wednesday we should know which teams are in and which teams are out which will probably continue the conversation for a little bit i i think maybe you yeah. record you get it ready so that it can release on monday if that makes sense yeah i'll i'll do the MSI one first, and that'll come out probably on Wednesday or something, Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. No, Wednesday for sure. Done tomorrow. 
forgot what day it was. Um, and then I'll record and start editing the uh, Academy one. And if I need to add stuff, I'll just add stuff to yep. it. That's topical. Uh, shout out again to the OnePlus giveaways that we're doing. But also, I'm going to be doing three live streams, IRL streams from the venue this week. I'm looking at Wednesday for one of them. Uh, Friday, which is my birthday, I'm going to try to do an IRL stream on my birthday. And then on Sunday for finals. Um, I'll see. I'm going to try and do them before the vent, the show opens. It's just going to be a weird time for me to be streaming because my audience is normally asleep during that time. But um we'll see how the wednesday one goes and then maybe i'll i'll maybe i'll try to do one after the show on one of the days or something i don't know i just wanted it's fun to do these at events because people then can see what it's like at the venue and outside in the merch booth and all that stuff so um and those are sponsored by oneplus so it's kind of cool that they're letting me or helping me do that so uh thank you so much to oneplus uh thank you alienware mark thank you for uh doing this next week Thank you for staying up and accommodating. Yes. Uh, Next week, we will not be doing this on Monday. I'm hoping we can do it on Tuesday because I'll be flying back on Monday. Mark, is there any reason you can't do it Tuesday night? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, Well, tentatively, just expect the show to be at its regular time, but not at its regular day next Tuesday because um, I will be back. And then I know we've had some audio issues, but I'll be back on the normal setup. So hopefully everything will sound good. Uh, Stick around uh, on stream. Everybody else, have a good week. Good luck, North America. Let's do it.